I'm Francesca Donnellan. Welcome to Becoming More Human, the podcast. Every generation, through its arts and creativity, explores the same questions. Who am I and what really matters? We are so often taught how to emulate others to make other people happy. But how do we access what's good for ourselves and be strong enough to actually claim it? It's a constant practice because we all keep evolving. There are no limits to personal growth. You can start your journey today and get closer to discovering your true self. Give back to the people around you and make the world a better place. Welcome back, everybody, to Becoming More Human. Thank you for joining us on this wonderful journey. And thank you to Uncle Kevin. Uncle Kevin, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm still here, Fran. Thank you very much. Um, doing <laughs> well, good. thank you. Yeah, doing very well. Good. Good to hear it. Well, we have had a cracking interview this week. I, I mean, it's one of my personal favorites. I am a huge fan of Joe Elvin. I've followed her career and uh, read her magazines, Glamour and You Magazine in the UK. And I follow her on Instagram. She has this wonderful hashtag, clothes my husband hates, which I've always found very entertaining. Um, and she's just lived up to all of those expectations I had of her. She was brilliant, really down to earth, very like strong-minded, opinionated, but soft. I really enjoyed it. How did you, you know, find it? I thought it was bloody brilliant. I really did. Um, I don't know her by name. But even I have heard of the magazines she's edited, uh, including the ones that are much more my generation than yours. If folks haven't listened to the to the interview, I, I really think you know anyone would enjoy listening to her because she's incredibly grounded, down to earth, honest, um, mm. and, and I really appreciated so many of the the wise things she's and the honest things she said. People will not be surprised. It is so refreshing to hear people tell the truth. Mm, and, absolutely. And, and she's, she told lots of truths about her own life and then looking back, you know, she's in her 50s now and has done many, many transitions and talked about those. So I would go and listen to her talk because I just thought she was very, very entertaining mm. as well as had really great content it's interesting actually i've interviewed a few people now in their sort of early 50s mid 50s all around that kind of age group and i definitely feel like this common thread is being shared amongst them all where they're in a stage of their life where they don't give a fuck <laughs> I just feel yeah. that when I speak to them, you know, they, they just feel like it comes through their skin. Like it's just coming at me when I'm, when I'm speaking to them and they're, they're dealing with, you know, teenage children a lot of the time and, um, career changes and their overall like persona is just very strong. It's like, this is who I am and this is what we do. And this is where life is. And I know myself very well. and they're confident, I think, maybe is the word. It's, it feels great. You're just like, wow, what a force of nature is what I feel. And I'm like, you're, they, they don't feel like they're living in that hazy part of life where they're like, ah, what am I doing on this planet? Who am I? Where am I going? It's like, oh, they've come out the other side of that. And either they know where they're going or they're happy not knowing. <laughs> they're happy. They're content. It's very inspiring to listen to Joe and somebody who's 
career has taken a few different turns and how she was in the corporate world for so long. And, and that's hard when you're in that mindset to then her to take a different path. And now she's working at a charity and, and the challenges that brings. It's really inspiring, I felt, and just very interesting from a human level, that age group in particular uh, and their views on life and, and how they come across. It's really interesting to hear you say that, Fran, because a, a lot of people, obviously that's much more my generation, the number of people I know in their 50s and their 60s who realize they have so much to offer but don't feel valued by the current wave of activity. When we say that, of course, we, we then look at the what's happening in politics and entertainment and stuff like that. Age is is it's meant to be this place of, I love the word, sagacity. To Ooh. be a sage. Yeah, it's a nice word, isn't it? Sagacity. Sagacity. Wisdom. Ooh, and, and when you look up wisdom in the in the dictionary, it says something like the ability to apply knowledge. Mm. So wisdom is not just knowledge, which, you know, these days we can look everything up on Google, uh, which you couldn't when I was a lad. Um, <laughs> um, you had the Encyclopedia Britannica, if you were lucky, or something like that. Um, but it's not just knowledge. It's how to apply the knowledge with wisdom. A and wisdom generally only comes through experience. And experience usually comes with time. So uh, it was delightful to listen to her. And it's just a little reminder for per people your age and younger that, you know, older folks do have something to offer. And <laughs> they may well, not know do... TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why we do this podcast, isn't it? That's right. Kevin, you know, because it's gaining that wisdom. And um, that definitely comes across in the last sort of few interviews that I've been doing. and. It is refreshing that, especially as somebody in their 30s, that you can look to your elders and be like, oh, I do come out the other side. Ah, okay. Yes. So it's okay. Yes. Okay. Maybe I need to let go of some of these things I'm getting stressed about at the moment because it, they, they really actually don't matter in the grand yeah. scheme of it. Towards the end of the interview, Joe talks about how she's grown in resilience. Um, That's the you know, word. All these experiences. It's a great word. But it reminded me. Uh, of a quote from uh, Eleanor Roosevelt. She was, amongst other things, uh, President Roosevelt's wife, and also the niece, if I remember correctly, of the other President Roosevelt, because we've had two of them. She was one of the co-founders of the United Nations and various other things like that. So a, a lot of Brits may not know her, but she's a fascinating character, recently portrayed in a TV series called First Ladies, and I don't know if you've seen or that you've got that in the UK, mm. but it was shown in the US. It's a, a really, really interesting TV program because they parallel the lives of Eleanor Roosevelt, Betty Ford, and uh, Michelle Obama. Um, so three very different generations. Yeah, Brilliant I would love to watch that. Yeah, First Ladies, First Ladies. great, okay. great TV series. Highly recommended. It's on, it's on Apple TV, so we can watch it. Okay, it's on Apple TV. Great. Go for it now, um, yeah. at least after, the, after our podcast. Um, <laughs> but it's definitely worth visit, uh, visiting. Um, uh, but she was very big on promoting the role of women, uh, wanting women's rights in everything and equal pay and 
you know, a great, a great advocate for women. Somebody says something about, well, women are too weak, inexperienced to take on these roles. Her reply was, women are like tea bags. You only know how strong they are when you put them in hot water. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it's brilliant. Great. And it doesn't just apply to women. But, yeah. you know, we find about our resilience when we're in hot water. How mm. strong are you? My experience of so many women, because they've had to. Yeah. It was be resilient or, or, or die. Mm. And when you look at the role of women right across the world, especially in poorer countries where poverty is even worse than it is in our two countries, it's women who bear the brunt of all of that. So I love that quote. And I That's think, you know, the the work that we can do to bring back more equality because we we need those gifts in the wider community. I think that's yeah. one of the things I take from that. But let's get back to Joe because um, that wasn't the only thing that she said that was wonderful. No, not at all. But I do think resilience and and like like you said, you know, male or female or whatever you identify yourself as is um, the idea of being put under pressure. Is that's part of the self development journey? There's there's all well and good um, sitting here listening to podcasts, reading a book saying you're doing the work but the work really comes into play in those times of need in those times of uncomfortableness those times where you've really got to show up for yourself and show up for others that's when your learnings are really put to the test I think that's when you I feel that's when you actually do graduate to the next level of self-development and, and learning and it's not about being perfect but it's just about being aware and recognizing how you deal with certain situations and in Joe's instance having a long career in at one big you know media publication house like she did at Glamour for so long to then get sort of booted out though we've all been in situations where we've you know a career has fallen short and we you know it bitters in the bum and we didn't expect it or maybe we knew it was coming and we didn't dare jump either you know because we thought we'd rather just not face it. But that's when the self-development journey really kicks in. And that's why it's really important to keep doing the work. Even when bad things happen, like for Joan losing her job, that's when the next level of your learning comes into play because you've got options. You can sit at home, like she mentioned, you know, you can wallow away or you can dust yourself down and think, right, what's next? And how do I approach this? How do I approach it differently? How do I take my learnings forward? So, I, yeah, I found that quite interesting. There was a part earlier in the interview in a similar vein uh, when she was talking about her editorship at Teen Magazine, I think it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. And how they were receiving emails, and e not emails, uh, letters and phone calls in those days from uh, young girls, with, and sometimes even boys, with questions about how to be a teen because no one else was telling them. And what I. Mm. What I heard her say, it wasn't her exact words, but what I heard her say was, I was able to take the pain from my teenage years and what I'd learned since then and then apply that. So her pain gave her the ability to both have empathy and to be a good teacher. Yeah. And, and I think for all of us, once we get over the hurt of pain, we then have the choice of taking the lessons and applying them like sagacity 
applying the knowledge with wisdom for the betterment of ourselves and others. So mm. we can either wallow in our pain, we can carry our pain, we can maintain its, its freshness by remembering and talking about our pain, or we can go, oh, well, that was miserable, to say the least, and then decide what we're going to do with it. Mm. Unfortunately, the world is full of an awful lot of us who carried and sometimes still carry our pain and haven't turned it into wisdom. Mm. And it's a really, when we talk about doing the work, that's a huge part of it because the first thing it does is I get to stop carrying the load. The first person it benefits is me. But I just have to be willing to let down that pain, let go of that pain. It doesn't take the the event away. It doesn't make the event right. It, it doesn't mean I have to be nice to the person or people who created the pain. But I'm the one who's who's carrying the burden of the pain. And a lot of a lot of healing cannot happen until we've actually decided we're willing to let go of telling the story of our pain. Mm. Uh, we can still tell the story after that, but it's it's not from that place of pain. It's that place of fact. I thought it was so interesting that you know initially her her place of pain in this instance that we're talking about uh at the start of the podcast and she talks about being at school and being very skinny and that being a huge trigger for her it's so funny because as somebody who doesn't consider themselves in that skinny sector of the world and I'm not exactly the tallest person ever either I would have died for somebody to have called me skinny I literally, you know, I remember being at school thinking, oh, my God, I'm fat. I always thought I was fat, always said I had a fat brain. When somebody else says to me, oh, you know, that that made me depressed and that made me X, Y, and Z, and I think, how? I would love that. And it's funny, isn't it, because we're all so hard on ourselves as well and everything shows up differently and all of our pain for some other people is different for others. And, you know, in her circuit, in her instance, it's something that, was deep for her and I can understand completely understand why and, and how that resonates and how that transpires at school completely but yeah when I was listening to her say it, I was like oh but I would have liked to have been called that because I just thought I was fat I wasn't ever called fat I just thought I was fat so it's so interesting how all of our minds tell us all these different stories and how they show up for ourselves and how they can eventually end up kind of ruling our lives and we're talking about Things in some respects that shouldn't matter, the size of you, you know, what you tell yourself is, is so harmful, it can really eat into you. And those small things, they need to be stopped in their tracks, but it's easier said than done, especially when you're a teenager and you're experiencing things that can often stay with you. You are absolutely right, of course. But as you were speaking, what I was remembering is that as a, um, as a species, Homo sapiens transition from whatever it was we indeed transitioned from were relatively new to having this thing called consciousness, and certainly self-consciousness. And we've only had it for, I don't know, maybe, uh, I don't know if it's 20,000 years or 100,000 years, but even if it's 100,000 years, it's still a relatively new idea. And, and we don't really know how it works why it works and how to correct it. This idea of having a self, 
uh, is even more recent um, because up until uh, the Age of Enlightenment, only royalty had a self. Everybody else was a serf. And, you know, <laughs> the individual didn't matter. It was the group. You had royalty and then you had yeah. the, the people, the cannon fodder, the, the farmers, the, the people who were being told frequently they didn't matter. Well, of course, they, they did matter. And at some level, they absolutely knew they mattered. And then we have uh, a lot of wonderful historical things happening because of that. But this this real idea that, that we have in the modern world since the 1950s, let's say, or 60s, of me being me and not you, and somehow mm. I can be my own version of me, not just the standard version of what a male my age or a female your age looks like and yeah. feels like and acts like. I mean, that's incredibly new. I mean, if, if you look back at the movies and stuff from the say, the 40s and the 50s, uh, if you read the books, if you speak to your grandparents. I mean, this idea of the questions we're asking each other and the learning, the, the wisdom we are actually building in, in this modern age is quite phenomenal. And, of course, a lot of the time we get it wrong. I mean, Joe came from the world of magazines and pictures. You know, those magazines now transitioned into social media. So who is it that's doing the work that when somebody has a photograph taken, it won't be published until it's been touched up? You know, the wrinkles are all gone. The tummy tucks mm -hmm. have been done electronically. And then we present this picture of like, oh, this is so-and-so just having a nice day out. And it's like, like hell, <laughs> this person <laughs> has been you know, re recreated on the screen to create an image. Part of the... The challenge, I think, for, um, for really for anyone involved in media and PR is the world won't start healing itself until you start telling the truth. How can you expect people to do their work in, let's say, a, a magazine or a newsletter or something if you're continually lying to them about what, quote, normal looks like? Yeah. But the thing is, it's not that anymore, though, is it? It's actually social media and people are doing it to themselves. So, you know, it's, every, it's, right. it's everywhere. Yeah. And I think it's the apps and it's the things that distort your face and you think, yeah, there's lots of it out there now. You can't really escape it. So we have to start a little, a little um, movement to escape it. We have to find ways. And, I, and I, I know lots of teachers who have this as a, you know, they may be teaching French or German or geography or math even. But at some level, they know that they also have to teach self-acceptance and self-understanding and self-healing and all these these things. And, and, and I really, again, I really love Jo's mm. story and where she's working now with uh, childhood cancer issues because she found a path of integrity through all of that, that work. And, and she didn't set up herself against it but she tried to heal it from the inside. And, and I, I, I'm very grateful for that work because it's the work we're all having to do to try and heal from the inside. But we, we have to tell the truth. She talked about mm -hmm. her inner prefect, the, the, the yeah, prefect who like, keeps telling her what to do. And, and uh, maybe psychologists would call it the superego that sort of is the, the little um, elf on the shoulder who keeps saying, well, you're not that good and you really didn't do that right and whispers in our ears to 
try and sort of make us feel guilty about not being perfect. Mm. And, and that a lot of people have really vocal super egos of you know this this little elf on the shoulder telling us how uh, how much we've failed at things. Well, of course, there's people who have super egos that tell them how fabulous they are all the time when they need to learn that they actually have failed. So we have to learn where we are in this very recent idea of becoming a human. It's okay yeah. to make mistakes. It's okay to accept and acknowledge the mistakes and try again. It is not and never should be about being perfect. It is about being honest. Well, Uncle Kevin, we are going to leave that there today because I think we could keep going with this. It was such a great episode. People need to go back and listen. It was really, really good, really insightful. So I've loved having a little chat with you tonight, Uncle Kevin. As always, Fran, it's beautiful to see you on the screen and to chat with you. And who knows, one day this summer, I might actually get to see you again. Looking forward to that. <laughs> yes hopefully and then we should do something live so people can actually see us together oh god i'll need a lot of makeup for that one <laughs> we need to get that retouching out again <laughs> <laughs> all right good kevin thanks so much take care my love god bless take care bye i'm francesca Donellan, and you've been listening to becoming more human the podcast you can follow Becoming More Human on Instagram, subscribe, rate and review the podcast on your podcast apps such as Spotify, Apple, Amazon and Google. And don't forget to check out our website for exclusive audio content on becomingmorehuman.co.uk. Join me next week for another inspiring conversation. Thank you for listening.